chapter 5 that in whatever dream or vision or reality this was, he seeks her, she sort of rejects him, and then when she finally is interested, he's already gone, and she tries to find him, and she can't find him, and she gets beat up by the guards, and the daughters of Jerusalem are, are implored to <coughs> tell her where he is, and they want to know, well, what kind of a man is he? And she's glad to oblige, giving uh, quite a description of her beloved. And uh, so that's, that's what we ended with. You know, he's just, uh, she said he's wholly desirable in verse 16. He's, he's just wonderful. You know, there's nothing better. This is my beloved. This is my friend or daughters of Jerusalem. All right, so how about chapter 6, verses 1 to 9? Where has your beloved gone, the most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned, that we may seek him with you? My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of balsam, to pasture his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. He who pastures his flock among the lilies. You are as beautiful as Tirzah, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as awesome as an army with banners. Turn your eyes away from me, for they have confused me. Your hair is like a flock of goats that have descended from Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of ewes which have come up from their washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost her young. Your temples are like a slice of pomegranate behind your veil. There are sixty queens and eighty concubines and maids without number, but my dove, my perfect one, is unique. She is her mother's only daughter. She is the pure child of the one who bore her. The maiden saw her and called her blessed. The queens and the concubines also, and they praised her, saying. Okay. Well, when she has described her beloved in such glowing terms, it makes the daughters of Jerusalem want to know uh, where he went. They're convinced he's worth looking for. Where is your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where is your beloved turned, that we may seek him with you? We'll go look for someone this uh, fabulous and uh, this, uh, you know, striking. And she says, my beloved has gone down to his garden, the beds of balsam to pasture his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. Now, she speaks of him still as her beloved, despite the issue, rift, problem, misunderstanding, or whatever. And she speaks in such a way that it appears that the relationship has not really changed. You know, she knows he's going to be down in the garden gathering the lilies. His love for her has not changed. He won't abandon her. She'll find him in the same place where he's been in the garden of her their love, <clears throat> gathering the lilies. The garden often refers to like her body, maybe here too, or at least the place where they uh, are intimate with one another. The lilies often has a, a intimate uh, connection in this book. And so, you know, there's no question of he's going to abandon her. There's no idea that he won't be interested in her she knows he'll still be there in the garden. That kind of commitment is so important. There will be challenges in relationships, and there will be misunderstandings, and there will be bad moments. Sometimes we misbehave. 
You know, we just don't treat each other as well as we should. We're not sensitive to each other as much as we should be. But there's never a doubt that we'll still be there for each other if we have a commitment to the Lord. Um, so, and she says, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Now remember back in chapter 2.16, she said, my beloved is mine, and I am his. So things haven't changed. Although she reverses the order from 2.16... She says, now I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. She is eager to affirm that she belongs to him before she claims any ownership of him. She, I think, has learned her lesson and she now sees herself in a renewed way as I am his. You know, I belong to him. Uh, he who pastures this flock among the lilies, and again, used in love context in this book. So whatever problems there were have been resolved, and they're back together again, and, and you know, just that kind of a thing that love does. It's resilient, it overcomes barriers, obstacles, problems, you know, whatever there is. And uh, so, thoughts and comments on those three verses. Do you take this as a continuation of what, like, after chapter 5? Well, especially because of chapter 6, verse 1. Yes, I do, though, you know, I I suppose it wouldn't have to be closely connected. Uh, Either way, it still shows that they are, they have this kind of relationship, and it's the kind of relationship that would overcome it. But I, I think because of six one, it's reasonable to see this as kind of the follow up. We're not assuming that the book is written chronologically. Like, there's a lot of things that make us assume not. I don't think it's really a story, right? So I don't know what the chronology is in the book. I don't know that there's any problem with thinking it's chronological, but I don't think there's any problem with thinking it's not. Okay. Because I don't see all mm. these pieces as necessarily fitting together in some kind of a s- overall story. Mm-hmm. It shows you some some episodes in their relationship. Yeah, and so it seems like maybe I don't know enough to say this definitively, but it seems like even when things aren't chronological, they're often arranged sort of thematically, so it sort of makes sense for this to go next to the part about them having a problem just to indicate the point that we're taking from it, even if it wasn't this happened first and then that happened. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and it could be chronological, just kind of episodes in their mm-hmm. relationship, that's possible. But but it's not so much a connected story all the way through it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see how, you know, I don't see quite how to do that with it. There's not a real plot line. There's not a real plot, yeah. There's not, that, that's, that's a good way to put it, yeah. So then he is speaking, starting in verse 4, and wow, he describes her again. He's done that back in chapter 4, and she's just stunning. You are as beautiful as Terza, my darling. Terza? What's a Terza? Daughter of Zelopad. Did she have a daughter named Terza? She may well have. I don't know. He he does. Yes, that's correct. I do know that. It's apparently uh, also a city that has pleasantness. Yeah, it, it was the capital city of Israel for a while. I suspect that's the reference here. 
She's as beautiful as this great city, as lovely as Jerusalem. So we got two big cities. Uh, if you can compare cities to women, why not women to cities? You know, you're, you know, I mean, uh, tell tell your bride, hey, you you look just like uh, Philadelphia. You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the idea is she's majestic, she's powerful, she's awesome, she's amazing. Uh, she's just like these great cities. As awesome as an army with banners. Uh, so he uses all these comparisons uh, to show her that he loves her as much as ever. She's just as stunning as she's ever been. The language of love needs to be repeated. So he says some of the same things he'd said earlier, like your teeth are like a flock of ewes which will come up from their washing and they all have twins and there's not a lost one among them. You know, a matching set. You know, all nice and washed. I mean, what could you ask for more than that? But it's the same thing he said. So it reminds us that whatever happened in chapter 5, if this is connected or if it's not, their love is the same. He, he still views her the same way he has. And, you know, I mean, when you're, when you're, you know, telling your beloved what you think of them, I think repetition is a cool thing. There's nothing bad with saying the same thing again and reaffirming your appreciation for the things that you appreciate. Right? I mean, you know, so, so why not tell her the same thing? He says, uh, you know, um, your hair, your hair is like a flock of goats, you know, and you, they descended from Gilead. You know, he says a lot of those things, but now he says a couple of things that are different. He says in the beginning of verse five, "Turn your eyes away from me, for they have confused me." Now, I think the idea is that her beauty is so great he needs a break from it, so he doesn't faint from overexposure. You know, <laughs> I mean, when he looks into her eyes, it just nearly drives him wild. You know, he says, you're going to have to spare me. I can't handle all this. You know, uh, he can hardly keep his head. He feels like he's losing control. You know, I mean, she's just too stunning. This is just, uh, you know, he's going to die of, of uh, heart failure or an adrenaline rush or whatever. You know, so, so hey, tone it down a little bit. I just, I just can't handle all that much beauty at once. Uh, that kind of a thing. So, so again, he's, he's very... Uh, extremely complimentary of what she means to him. You know, your temples are like a slice of pomegranate in verse 7. He said something like that before. Um, There's 60 queens and 80 concubines and maidens without number. But my dove, my perfect one, is unique. She's her mother's only daughter. She's the pure child of the one who bore her. You know, she is nothing like other women. There may be all kinds of other women, She's incomparable. You know, no matter how many there are and what their status is, she's still by far the best. You know, don't value quantity <coughs> over quality. You know, uh, she's, she's, she's top notch. She's the pick of the, of all of them. Um, and, and so he sees them as actually coming and praising her. These other queens and concubines, they're, they're stunned by how beautiful she is. And they praise her beauty. You know, so he is very, very much reassuring her. She's as beautiful as ever. His love for her has not changed. Nothing has, nothing has come between them in this. 
Um, thoughts and comments? Do you have a reference on Tirza? What? I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Well, first, read first Kings. Kings. 17, yeah, read the Book of Kings, and if you find Yeah, well, I mean, Tirza was the capital when the Zimri burned the palace down on Samaria, uh, that started with Ahab. Okay. What did you say the reference was? 1417. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeroboam's wife departed, came. came to Terza, so that's where the capital was to begin with. Then. And then, uh, where's Omri over here? Somewhere. Yeah, he'd be, uh, Omri, uh, was, he reigned seven days, Zimri, rather, I'm sorry, Zimri reigned seven days at Tirza in 1615. And then he burned the palace down on him. And that's when Omri actually uh, built Samaria. So but this was written before. This is written after. No, before. You're right. Before yeah, all of that. That's right, that's right. So Tirza was a great city. Before there even was a separate mm-hmm. kingdom. Right, so Tirza was obviously already a city before it was selected to be the capital, and evidently right. quite a city. Okay. Comparable, perhaps, to Jerusalem. Yeah, good point. And are we supposed to assume that these queens and concubines are Solomon's? Doesn't matter. Maybe okay. so, from things that are said later <laughs> in the book. At this point, it wouldn't matter. What, whoever, how, wherever they were, whoever they were, you know, she outdoes 60 queens and 80 concubines. You know, whatever, you know, she's the, <laughs> she's the winner of the beauty pageant. Now, I'm, I don't know if there's something to this or not, but... You know the rift in chapter 5 was over his being interested in her sort of rejecting that. When he's saying this, reassuring her of his love for her, he doesn't refer to her more private features in this description. And I don't know if he wants to reassure her that he loves her and thinks she's beautiful you know, in itself, this is not some, uh, you know, speech trying to, uh, you know, may regain their intimacy or whatever. You know, this is, he loves her for her, not just for her body. Um, so, I don't know, maybe that's just coincidental that he didn't talk about some of those more intimate features like he does in the earlier and in the later uh, little, little deal here. Little, I this is technically, but I have no idea how you even pronounce this. This is actually known as a WASF, these descriptions that they give. I don't know what the, how you pronounce that. But that's, that's what you read in all the commentaries. That's the name for this kind of a beautiful description. Wasp, I don't know, wasp. Wasp. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's an ancient Near Eastern, you know, thing. So, now you know more than I do, so. Alright, so comments or questions to verse 9? Well, good. How about 10 to 13? Who is this who looks down like the dawn, beautiful as the moon, bright as the sun, awesome as an army with banners? I went down to the nut orchard to look at the blossoms of the valley to see whether the vines had budded, whether the pomegranates were in bloom. Before I was aware, my desire set me among the chariots of my kinsmen, a prince. Return, return, O Shulamite, return, return, that we may look upon you. 
Why should you look upon the Shulamite as upon a dance before two armies? Really tough section. Really hard to figure out who's saying what to whom and what it means. So I'll give you my stab at it. You know, verse 10, who is this? That's a repeated question. Look back in 3.6. What is this coming up from the wilderness? Or in 8.5. Who is this coming up from the wilderness leaning out her beloved? I assume that the who is this that grows like the dawn, as beautiful as the full moon, as pure as the sun, as awesome as an army with banners, is her. That's the... That's who she is, and she's like the moon and the sun. She's out of this world. That's what we'd say. You know, there's nothing like her. You know, she's as splendid as the sun or the moon. You know, she's just... And, and, and kind of you always get the idea of, uh, you know, she is so awesome that she's almost like another dimension. You know, she's just amazing. You just really can't say enough good about her. Um... And so she accepts his invitation. She goes down to the orchard of nut trees to see the blossoms of the valley, to see where the vine had budded or the pomegranates had bloomed. You know, so she she goes down to the orchard and she checks on the fruit. Uh, and we're intended to understand more here than just a horticultural uh, image. Uh, there's, uh, there's there's a lot that goes on in these orchards, and uh, the fruit uh, was uh, you know delicious. Um, and then she says, before I was aware, my soul set me over the chariots of my noble people, which you may not have anything that even sounds like that. That is acknowledged to be the most obscure verse in this book, <laughs> and perhaps one of the most obscure verses in all the Bible. And I don't know, the translation, whoever was reading, read, mm-hmm. wasn't too much different than mine, but some of, they're all over the board. And we just don't really know what it means. All the words are well-known words, but the syntax and the meaning is complicated. What do, how do they relate to each other? So, um, but I'm not alone in not knowing, so comfort myself. Uh, and then, verse 13, Come back, come back, O Shulamite. Come back, come back, that we may gaze on you. Uh, is he saying for her to come back? Or are there others joining him, wanting to her to come back? Uh, they want to. They want to gaze on her. I don't know. He, she says, why should you gaze at the Shulamite as at the dance of the two companies? She doesn't want them gawking at her. You know, I, I think she's been insecure about her appearance all along. She wonders why anybody would want to see her when there are so many others at the dance, so to speak. Uh, you know, she's just uncomfortable and awkward with all this attention. Uh, that's my take on that. But that's really difficult. 10 to 13, I'm not confident about it. Well, it's incumbent. You know what I'm going to Well, I have is the dance of the two companies. That's not scriptural. It's NIV. What's NIV, yours? Yeah. What do you have? No, I have another. Okay, what do you have? What is that? Read your verse. Read the full verse. Read 12 and 13. Uh, Wait, 12 and 13? Yeah. I'm going to have verse 14. There is no 14. Oh. We don't have a 14. I just said it's unscriptural. Behold, I'm going to have verse 14. Behold, I'm going to have verse 14. 
Before I realized it, my desire set me among the royal chariots of my people. Come back, come back, O Shulamite. Come back, come back, that we may gaze on you. Uh, why would you gaze on the Shulamite as on the band of Mahanahim? <laughs> Sometimes I should say that. Well, see, now it all makes sense. Why would it say we want to gaze on yeah. He has two eyes. Uh, yeah, maybe him plus the daughters of Jerusalem. I have this as the beloved and his friends. Okay. I don't know if they're his friends, but... I don't know. He must mean, like, in a non-private way. There's definitely a question all through here is who's saying You want to be gazed at. So the <clears throat> like they're treating her as some spectacle, you know. Mm-hmm. Like a dancer. Uh, 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 the, the army reference earlier that she's also as an army with banners made me think of, uh, for some reason, like, if you have two armies going to war, sort of the, the jousting trash talk that goes on before just I don't know why I think that's the dance of the two companies it may be because I haven't mm. had enough sugar today but <laughs> <laughs> so. that was the weird vision that popped into my head of course I also have her pictured her going to the insane asylum the orchard of the nut trees so. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> and I think that's not the image I don't here. think so I think, I think I'm missing something here <laughs> <laughs> you should see me- some of my comments. This is a mental health manual. <laughs> we got the whole point wrong. Um, okay, so what if at the end of 13, what if he is telling people to back off because it's my Shulamite? Oh, that's what my version says. Don't, he, you know, why are you ga- Why would you want to gaze at the mine says at the Shulamite? Yeah, could be. So the first half is, hey, we want to look at her. And he's going, uh-uh. Yeah, and it could be in like a bad way, or it could just be in a mine. more normal way. <laughs> yeah. But he might still be saying, like, yeah. I might. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. Could that be the fake girlfriends under him, like, no, you really don't. I'm going to prove it to you. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to object to anything to this, so I have no better explanation. Not even my commentary? Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, that, would, that would give a whole new wrinkle to the solid solid. <laughs> you know, what to, what to read once you uh, start becoming bipolar or something. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, 